a lesson from the New Testament from 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The word of the Lord. If you were here last week, you, you probably would have heard that. Every summer, uh, our pastor Daniel uh, takes a six-week like, vacation with his family to, to South Korea. And so we all get the benefit, or many of us get the benefit, of stepping in and, and preaching. Um, and this is a... Evan and I were talking before, and this is, it's kind of a humbling pro- process to, to step up to the pulpit because this isn't our, this isn't our day, day job. Um, but it's a real, it's a real honor I think, um, and it also helps us to really appreciate Daniel even, even more. So Daniel, if you're listening to this sermon, uh, know that, that you, are, uh, you are missed. Um, so we, we start out uh, our, um, these sermons usually talking to the children in the, in the audience. So I have a quick question for, for you guys out there. Have you read... Or um, have your parents read to you um, the book The Giving Tree? 
by Shel Silverstein. Are you familiar with that one? Yeah. Um, so if you remember in this in this story, um, there's this this wonderful apple tree and this little boy, and the boy comes and plays in the leaves, and he climbs the tree, and he eats the apples, and uh, the boy's happy, and the tree's happy. Um, the boy boy grows up and says, "I I need some I need some money. Can you can you help me?" And so the tree gives. It's, it's apples to the boy. And uh, says the tree's, the tree's happy. So the boy goes away. And then the boy comes back. And a, man, a man says, I need, I need uh, a house for, for my family. So the tree gives the, the boy its limbs to build, to build a house. Says the tree, tree is happy. And then the, the man comes back as an older man. Um, later, and um, says he wants to, to sail around the world. And so the tree gives the, the older man uh, his trunk. older man chops down the, the tree's trunk and creates a boat. He says the tree is happy, but sort of, because I think the tree misses the Misses the man, and it's not such you know not a, not not necessarily a great picture for the the tree here. Um, so the 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 old man comes back after his his trip, and uh, the tree says, "I've I've really got nothing left to give to give you. I've given you my apples, I've given you my limbs, I've given you my trunk, but I've got this stump." And so here, so the man the old man sits on the stump, and the tree's happy. Um, the sermon, you know, th- this is this is a little reminiscent of the sermon that uh, we're gonna we're gonna discuss today about this passage from from Paul. Um, in that, there's a lot of giving going on, and the picture, like for the picture for the tree, isn't al- isn't always pretty. Um, but imagine imagine if there's like a part two of the story, and the tree is restored. And this old man is is restored, and and they can sit and contemplate and reflect on on what had happened and, and find joy being being together. Um, I think that's a little bit of the glimpse of the of what we have in in, st- in store for us. So, kids, here this is this is a tougher sermon. Adults, this is like this is a tough topic, one that I'm probably not equipped to deliver. Um, hopefully, I'll be a good vessel of, of God's word here and, and speak through through Him. Um, let's let's pray before we start. Heavenly Father, um, thank you for this morning um, uh, that we can gather together, uh, that we can study Your Word. God, we thank you for for Paul uh, and his letters to the to the Corinthian church. Um, through their challenges and their questions and their wrestling, um, and, and Paul's response, deeply digging into your your word and, and understanding how you work in the world, we're we're the beneficiary of of that deeper connection with you. Um, through your Spirit, we pray that you would you would speak to us this morning. Help us to un- understand this in deep ways, deeper ways. Help us to be encouraged. Um, 
and help us to just be <clears throat> to uh, to understand you better and understand your mission in this world and how we can play a part in that mission. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um, so, you know, in this passage, um, I think what we what we saw last week. So, this is part of two, a two part sermon series. You get like a mini sermon series from me since I'm doing two weeks in a row, and then I go away. But uh, last week we talked about the first uh, seven verses of this of this passage, and it kind of really con- uh, continues on a bit. But Paul here again is is addressing the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth is saying, Paul, we're, when, when we look, your your message is tough to understand. Can you simplify it? Make it more like the message we hear in our popular culture. Your, your, your method of delivery here, it's, you're not that great a public speaker. And you're suffering like crazy. Like, how could God be with you? Like, we should listen to these other guys that have got it all going for them because it, it's clear that you, you don't. So maybe we should find another leader and kind of neglect your gospel and turn to something else. But Paul, through this section and through this passage, he talks, he talks to the church, you know, very candidly, saying, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm suffering. Yeah, I'm not a great order. Um, but, I, but we are being authentic to the gospel that we've been given. We're not changing it. We're not altering it. We're not, we're not making it easier to understand. We're trying to deliver in a way that you can understand, but we're not going to, we can't change that because that's who God is. That's how God is, what God has, has shared with us. And furthermore, the fact that you're all coming to know God through me, through, through Paul, this imperfect vessel is, is another sign of God's greatness. Another sign there's a miracle at, at work and that God is at work through, through me. So, we come to this next section, um, and th- this whole passage, in a way, like the backdrop is is really around, you know, around uh, death and suffering. Um, and again, this is a it's a really challenging topic. So, I want to say first of all that before we kind of get into this, that you know, we, it, I can't imagine some of the suffering. I can only, only have the life that I've lived. Um, death is a really tough, tough topic for people. Um, but hopefully, unlike other places in the world, we're not afraid to, get, to dig in here and to understand this better and to grow together. And that at the heart of it, like the deepest things, the deepest things in our lives are where the gospel touches the most. And I think this is an opportunity to kind of penetrate into those deepest longings in our, in our lives. Um, so I'm going to, I'll kind of give a, a high level recap of where we're going to go today because I think that you, um, I've been encouraged to, to help you guys follow, follow along. So we're going to talk a little bit about like how popular culture kind of deals with the topic of death and suffering. And then we're going to talk about like the, the, the biblical pattern of, of death and suffering. And then we're going to talk about gospel hope and resurrection and how that impacts how, how we think about this. So, you know, everything, everyone's getting older. Um, 
unless you were born in Korea, which in you, the last week you may have gained or become a year younger. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to be morbid here, but you know, in, the, in a sense, the world's all wasting, wasting away. Um, I don't know if you've ever visited an ancient city, a really old city, and, and just thought about the fact that, like, all the people that were here, this is once a vibrant place, but all the people that were here are gone, and all their kids are gone, and all their kids' kids are gone, and almost everything that they had around them was, like, is gone. You have these concrete pillars and things like that, and even those are er eroding um, from the elements o over time. You know, we're, it, the reality is that we're, we're, we're going to die. But there, there are different, different ways that we can handle this. A um, couple things, that, ways that I see in, in the world. One is we can, we can stick our head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening. Um, kind of avoid it or, in a sense, distract ourselves. Like, just turn on the TV. Just, you know, play more games. Do something like that to kind of not think about these, deep, these deeper and, and, and challenging things, things in life. Um, and we see this as well, like, in the way that we, that we deal with um, people that are, 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 are dying. Like, there's a kind of this sad pattern where people go to, as they age, um, they go to retirement facilities, and then they go to hospitals. And in a sense, death is something that's, like, outsourced. It's, 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 go, it's away from us. Unless we have a loved one that's, like, that's experiencing this directly and you're engaged in the process, you don't experience death every day. Um, probably very different in the, in the time of, of, of Paul. But it's very easy for us to kind of pre just pretend that this isn't, this isn't, gonna ha this isn't happening. Um, another another th way that we see it today to, is um, you see people kind of fighting it um, head on. There's this interesting um, individual who's gotten a lot of attention in, in, in the media lately. Uh, his name's Brian Johnson. He's the founder of his company called Brain, Braintree that he sold for, I think, $800 million. And um, he spends uh, $2 million a year trying to reverse the aging process. He wants like, all of his organs and everything to, to be the, the, the same level as an as a 18-year-old. So he's going through this process. Um, he takes, I think, 105 pills a day. Um, he spends, I think, four hours on this process. He has a team of, I think, 20 physicians that are, that are monitoring him. Um, he's doing, like, really all, all the right things, all, like, the best of that science says about how, how you can control the a aging process. And I think he has, like... It, <laughs> There's the physicians in the, in the room could better say this than I, but I think he has like reverse sort of the aging process. So if you compare him, he, even though he's 45, he has like the heart of a 38-year-old and he has like the lung capacity of a much younger person as, as well. Um, he, he essentially has turned his life over to like an, an algorithm to say like this, I'm just going to follow whatever this al algorithm does. Um, in, in science you know, has done amazing things for us, right? Um, in 1885, I think the average lifespan of a, of a woman born then was, um, I believe, about 44 years. 
And now, I think it's 80, in, it's in the mid-80s. So if you're born today, uh, if you're a woman, you're, you're likely to, uh, to, <coughs> to grow to mid, mid-80s. So amazing things that science has, has done. But um, even in spite of the fact that we can, that we can change, you know, we can do things to prolong our lives a bit, um, death is still part of, part of life. Um, there's another, like a, a surgeon um, named uh, Atul Gawande, who wrote this book, uh, Being Mortal, Medicine and What Matters in the End. And um, tool shows in, in the book that even though um, we've sort of prolonged the, the average time that people die, um, it, it used to be that everyone sort of died of a really rapid death. And you, so you see this fall off in the average life expectancy. But now what you see is that people, uh, there's just this gradual decline it's based on science people do do last longer um but in spite of this what you see is that that people's faculties sort of erode over age and they they lose autonomy kind of one one by one um so even even if we can delay the onset of death like it's still it's still it's still com- it's still coming so Again, sorry. <laughs> um, we see, I think in, in the Bible that we see like a different approach to death. I think especially in Paul. Um, it's not the stick your head in the sand, pretend it's not coming. It's not the, I can overcome this. And like n- naively thinking that like it's, you can make it not, ha- not happen by adding a day, a day to your life if, if you can. Um, but, but for Paul in the Bible, we see just a different orientation around death. Um, a friend and I were talking about the book of Job this week, and in, in Job, you know, you have this, the servant of God, like someone's really described as, as a man of God in like, in a lot of ways, but this, this person is like, is afflicted and, and suffers this, these, these, these horrific things. Um, and, and Job's friends come and visit him, and, and they're really trying to console him and, and be with him, but they can't really wrap their heads around what it's going on with Job. Like, you know, Job must have done something there to deserve, to deserve this. Like, um, you know, in, in, the, in the Bible, we see this pattern like we, that we, where we know that death is the, is the product of, of sin. All the decay and erosion of things around us is the is the is the product of sin. Um, but there's also this this it's it's not always necessarily just a result of 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 of, of our sin. Um, and there is a process as well that Paul talks about here that's um, viewing death in a pos- in a positive way. Do, you, doing suffering in a, in a positive way. And so, um, let's, let's, let's go back to, to the passage here in verses 12, sorry, 10 through, 10 through um, 11. 
So after this section we talked about last week, where it says we sh- in seven, where we had had these dre- this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. Uh, we are inflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So in this section, what Paul is saying is that, like he said before, God is sustaining us. Like, we're broken, but God's sustaining us, showing us that this is the unsurpassing power of God kind of at work, the miracle of God. And then in verse 11, it says, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death isn't work in us, but life in you. So the, the pattern that, that Paul is referring here to is, is that um, he's pointing back to, to, to Jesus and the pattern of, of Jesus surrendering everything, not like Job in that situation, not, this not being the direct cause of sin, but the but self self giving, that's transformational and that um, enables only through the process of death for us to receive life. And Paul is saying, like this is our pattern in ministry as well. The pattern that, that what we saw in Jesus is what we're doing here and modeling as well. Through Jesus' power, we are giving of ourselves so that you can experience life. Uh, Tim Keller, the late pastor in, um, of Redeemer Church in, in New York City, um, he give, gave a good kind of illustration around this, um, around the, the acorn. Um, and you'll see this actually in, in 1 Corinthians when Paul is talking about like a, a, um, a seed needing to die in order to give life, like this, this process of death turning to, to life. Um, but you know, this acorn, like scientifically, we know the acorn doesn't die in order to, to, um, to grow into a tree. But we know that the acorn is, whatever that transformational process, the acorn's no longer kind of an acorn after the tree takes over. It becomes a living, a living tree. The acorn has to go away in order for the tree to, be, to, to, to grow and to thrive. So what we see Paul here is, tap, is tapping into this, this idea, uh, this power of, like Jesus, having to surrender, having to die ourselves in order for, for something else to exper- experience life. Um, and that's how he's living for this church, um, this church in Corinth and these other churches that he's, that he's helped um, create and, and maintain. The question is, so when you see, you see that, is what, what gives him kind of the hope? What gives him the encouragement to, to view the world and to go into this depth, like to, to suffer for other people and to be encouraged by suffering and to think that this suffering and death is leading to life in, in other people? And I think where you see this really is in, in verses... Um, 13 through 15. 
So here Paul says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and, and so I spoke. He's referencing Psalm 116 uh, there. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised Lord, Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more and more <clears throat> to more and more, pe- more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So what Paul is pointing here to is, is this, the, this re- the resurrection of, of Jesus. So in, in 1 Corinthians, we hear that how, how this, our faith kind of rests on this resurrection. Jesus is the first fruit. So by that it means it's the first one, but that we will all experience this resurrection. And what, that's a, what that shows us is that um, there's going to be a restoration of things to come. So Jesus is the first experience of that restoration. We see Jesus in his restored body coming and meeting with uh, the disciples and, um, and them experiencing him. That foreshadows, that shows us what we're going to experience as well in the future is this reformed, um, restored uh, world and, and bodies as, as well. So when Paul, when Paul is engaging this, he's, he has this deep sense of the hope because he's experienced the, the living Christ of what's coming. Um, the, the, the challenging thing for us today is that, and I referenced this a little bit last, last week, is that while, while we experience, and so we, like in our hearts, when we, when we come to know Jesus, we have this experience of the restoration, like this divine inbreaking, this future age when things are going to be made right, we experience that in our, in our hearts. We experience that, that, that feeling and in in, in understanding what that is through, through Jesus Christ. But the world around us is still wasting away. So we're wrestling constantly while anticipating the restoration of things. We're also experiencing every day like the, decay, the decaying world, world around us. So for, for Paul, let me go back to something else here. Like, I think another thing that Tim Keller shared on this uh, that was really interesting or kind of helpful is he, he framed the, the, this, the destruction and the, the decay that we experience around us in terms of like a, a nightmare, right? So you wake up or you experience this nightmare. It's a horrible thing. And then you wake up and you, you think, I'm glad that was a nightmare. I still don't understand what happened in that nightmare, but it's now all in the framework of this bigger picture of, what, of what's going on. And I can kind of understand that that was just, that was just a, a nightmare. Um, in a sense, we're, you know, when things are restored, we're going to experience this, this suffering and death as, 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 a, as a nightmare. And we should just have, we should have hope, like, in, in Jesus Christ and in this. What, what gives Paul, I think, the, the strength to do this is he's constantly reflecting 
on this res- where things are going, um, where the resurrection is, is leading us. Um, there's, I don't know if any of you have seen Back to the Future 2. Like, probably the only time you're going to get the reference to Back to the Future in, in a sermon here. But in, in Back to the Future 2, like, the older, the older version of Biff, who's, like, the, the, the nemesis in here, gives the younger version of, of Biff, back in 1955, uh, a sports almanac. And this sports almanac tells you what's going to happen in all of these sporting events. So, Biff, in 1955, if he believes the almanac and he follows the almanac, he can just bet on all these events as they're happening. And so you, you see Biff, you know, at, years into the future, and Biff controls the whole town. Like, he's in charge of everything. And it's because he's got this, this sports almanac. In a sense, we've all got a sports almanac. We know, we know where this story is going. Um, we know what the end, what it's going to look like in the end. We know we're also in the midst of like of some really challenging circumstances. That we're in the midst of of decay. And but by reflecting on on where things are going, orienting ourselves to where things are are going, I think that enables us to do kind of what Paul is talking about in this in this next set of verses here. Um, in, in verse 16. So he says, We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So how do, we, how do we focus on these unseen things, these, these eternal things? We know where the story's going, but it's really hard. It's really hard to lose focus, or it's very easy to lose focus. And that's, what I think, where Paul, Paul is, 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 is encouraging here. It's the constant reminder. But I think that's where we're all, that's where we all sort of fit into this, this intersection of of these two ages in our own lives. Um, I was really, on our block, um, some of you, you know, um, Harry uh, is our next-door neighbor, and Harry is kind of like a curmudgeonly next-door neighbor. Like, he was kind of nice to our kids, but we've heard, like, he's been, he's been, on, he's lived, he lived in that house for probably 40 years, and the kids around the neighborhood were kind of scared, scared of Harry. Um, but Harry, Harry was also a committed Christian and um, lived out in, like a, in a pretty unique way. But one thing Harry did with this time is he spent, um, he spent a lot of time uh, tutoring on the, east, on the east side of Austin. And um, he ended up ad- adopting um, an orphan boy who was very, very, tr- very troubled, and uh, you know, giving giving himself. Harry was a, a single, is a single guy, and Harry, like it's, he's very set in his ways. 
like OCD, like he do, does everything a certain way, but he kind of opened his, his life to, um, to, to this, this, this boy on the east side, DeMarcus, and he adopted him as, as his son. Um, well, Harry, Harry died um, about a little over a year, year ago, and so this, this week, Harry's house is in the process of being transferred to Harry's son, DeMarcus. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. DeMarcus is very thankful that DeMarcus is going to be able to buy, buy a house for his, his family through this. And that was Harry's wish, was that through this process, DeMarcus, through the process of, of him dying, and he could give resources to, to DeMarcus. Um, and so as, as all these people are going through, through his house this week, um, kind of buying this estate sale, you know, on the one hand, it's, like, it's really sad, but on the other hand, it's amazingly, like, life-giving. Like, we saw DeMarcus yesterday, and he told us about, like, that he's going to be house shopping soon, and I think DeMarcus has, like, five kids and six kids, you know, but, but what, an, what an amazing story of, like, a, a faithful man sacrificing the comforts of of his his ways to give to others and to give sacrificially to others that they they would ha- they could have life. Um, the reason why I wanted to share this this passage this morning um, is and I just felt it was important. I was really struck recently um, by one of one of my friends' uh, father-in-laws. He he died. Um, this guy's name is B.J. B. Weber. He's um, lived in New York City for a long time. Um, he helped kind of found, found the uh, New Canaan Society and a bunch of ministries in, in New York. And um, B.J. was like, a, like the kind of guy that's larger than life, like both in his personality and his physical presence. He's like a rugby player, so he's very... Uh, you know, large and command, commanding. He was the chaplain for the New York Yankees for a number of years. And you can imagine if you're like in New York talking to the Yankees and their chaplain, you've got to be able to command, command a presence. Um, BJ got cancer um, like about a year and a half ago and, and ended up um, dying about a year ago. But his son-in-law told, told, told me that, like, this passage here in verse 16, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. As, as BJ wrestled with can- dying from cancer, like, every day, like, this was the passage that he turned to that gave, that gave him hope, that he shared, he shared with others. Now, I didn't, I don't want this, I don't want to wait until I'm on my deathbed to reflect on, on this and this broader passage. I wanted to dig in and, and, and share it with others that we can, that we can learn, learn from it. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you that you're a, a God that doesn't leave us to our own devices. Uh, no, we've turned away from you. And that we turn away from you. 
but that you love us in spite of that, and you give us hope in Jesus Christ, uh, and a hope that speaks to our deepest longings, our own uh, mortality. God, thank you that we have hope in you through Jesus Christ. Thank you that through Jesus' res- resurrection, we know that you're, you're coming back, that you're going to restore all things, that you love us. Help us to live our lives in light of that hope. Help us to imagine how you're working in the world. Help us to, to get on board with how you're working and, and to be willing to sacrifice ourselves in order that others could experience life, life in you uh, and restoration. And it's only in Jesus' name that we can pray these things. Amen.